So I, I also would like to welcome everybody and just say how delighted I am to see so much interest. It's wonderful. There's a few people here I know, and many faces are new to me, so I look forward to getting to know you a little bit more. Just by a way of a little bit of an introduction, I've been meditating for over 30 years now, and I've been a nun for over 20 years, and just uh, a couple weeks ago I had an ordination which puts me in a different league in terms of legal standing in the Buddhist platform. And so um, that's part of the reason why things are shifting quickly, because having had that ordination, it means that what I'm doing here now has uh, kind of the official stamp of the bhikkhuni lineage, so that we're now what we are as a bhikkhuni training monastery, which is a whole other discussion. But for me, and from the tradition that I come from, which is the forest tradition, meditation and living a life of ethics and integrity has been like the mainstay. And from my experience as a meditator, living for many years as a layperson, you know, meditation was the most important part of my practice. So I'm always very heartened when I see other people who are interested in meditating, because I think that's really the inroad. That's the... That's the path to um, clarity and insight and uh, a life of much more ease and well-being. We have uh, four weeks together. We have four sessions together. And what I want to do is tonight to start talking about an overview of what meditation entails and then to begin talking about some of the basic principles of posture alignment and relaxation. And the next class, talk about (coughs) refuge, attitude, and a sense of uh, the right perspective. And the last two classes, I want to talk about the actual principles of attention and how we begin to focus our attention and the muscles of our mind that we use in order to bring clarity into our meditation practice. So this beginning meditation class is in fact that, uh, a very much a beginning meditation class that will then lead onwards to more instruction about specific techniques and then for an advanced class where we begin to learn how to troubleshoot the kinds of things that are arising with more skill and sophistication than we can with some of the beginning and intermediary skills that we have. When we look at our society, when we look at our hearts, when we look at our minds, when we look at our experience, you know, many of us have a lot to deal with. You know, there's issues around how to be embodied, how to have a body, understanding what a body is, how it works, how it functions. And, and then there's our heart and our moods and our emotions and, our, and there's feelings you know, the feeling of of sadness or joy or things wanting things to be the way they are, wanting things to be different. And all of this is part of our life. And meditation gives us the tools to begin to find a balance in our life, to learn more about how to work with our body and our breath in a way where we relax and we feel more at ease. And then to begin to get a handle on the various different things that arise within our body-mind experience. You know, our feelings and our perceptions and our wanting and our not wanting, our sorrows and our longings, our loneliness, you know, the joy that we experience. And how to allow all of that to arise in our awareness, in our experience, without falling into the 
regular pattern that we often do, which is to try and push away the stuff that we don't like and to try and grab hold of and control the stuff that we do want. So, you know, there's a lot in meditation about just balance. And in order to have a sense of balance, what's helpful is to have a sense of out of balance. And, you know, one of the precursors to meditation is understanding the importance of living with integrity. Because if people are not living with integrity, then when they come and they sit, they have all of the reverberation of the unskillful actions that then they have to contend with when they're meditating. And it's very difficult to do that. So in a Western context, people are really excited about meditation, and that's their first entry. And then 10 years, 15 years, 20 years down the road, they think, well, maybe understanding a little bit about integrity and keeping the precepts might have some value. (laughs) And in an Asian context, it's the opposite. People start with a very clear understanding of the importance of integrity. And after many, many years of living with that, then they come to a monastery and they learn to meditate. So in an Asian context, in a Buddhist context, in a Buddhist culture, Integrity, understanding the value of that, the importance of that, and having occasions where that can be uplifted and celebrated and reaffirmed is the standard and the norm. And in the West, it's the exception and the not the norm. So one of the things that will happen tomorrow night at the full moon meditation vigil is we'll start the evening with affirming the three refuges and the eight precepts. The eight precepts are the the precepts that include the five precepts and three more. And the five lay precepts are to refrain from killing, from stealing, from sexual misconduct, from harmful or injurious speech, and from drugs or drink which cause carelessness. And then the eight precepts, the, the, the precept on refraining from sexual misconduct, shifts to refraining from sexual activity. And then the sixth precept is to refrain from eating after midday. And the seventh precept is to refrain from dancing, beautification, and dormants. And the eighth precept is to refrain from uh, sleeping on a higher luxurious sleeping place. So if you come at 6.30 at night after you've had dinner, (laughs) hopefully it's not too hard. And so the idea of keeping the eight precepts is to begin to get a sense that there's a value in letting go of some of the things that we normally cherish and hold on to as a sense of what letting go feels like and what it feels like just to begin to uh, uphold something where there's a, a, a value of appreciation for renunciation. And so customarily on a full moon where there's a meditation vigil, the lay community will come to the monastery and the, the monastery will have uh, a meditation vigil and anyone who's there who's interested is welcome to affirm the refuges and the precepts and keep them for the whole meditation vigil. Now, we're here in Colorado Springs and this is sort of like new, everything's new. But in, in, in the monastery where I was living, the full moon meditation vigil went on until 4 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, and so we would start in the evening and we would meditate all night until the morning and then we would have a regular day the next day. And for a, 
a not so regular day the next day. <laughs> 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 one of the things that's really valued about having a large chunk of time like that is, is that you can really get to sense to feel the mind settling and get a sense of the value of meditation practice. And so that's one of the reasons why, of all of the things that I do, the full moon meditation vigil is one of the things I really enjoy the most. So the refuges, which I'll talk about next class, and then the precepts, which we'll talk about this class. And then Natalie already spoke about generosity. The reason why generosity is so important is not just because it makes it possible for other people to live. That's actually secondary. The reason why it's regarded in such a, in a, a foremost way is because when there's generosity, we have direct access to our own goodness. That is the primary reason why generosity is so important. Because after anyone has spent more than five minutes sitting on a meditation cushion, it's really helpful to have direct access to one's own goodness as a way of balancing the things that one sees and has to deal with, and some of which is not very pleasant. So we have an idea that meditation is about going from calm and still to calmer and stiller to perfection and to enlightenment. And the unfortunate news is that it's not like that. And rather than trying to attain a specific state, what we're learning to do is to develop balance and to bring qualities of attention to what we're experiencing and opening up to what is present. And sometimes what's present is indeed lovely and joyful and full of a sense of gratitude. And sometimes it's not. And when we're working with unpleasant mind states, it's really helpful that we are have a, a ballast and are tethered to our own sense of goodness as a foundation from which our practice unfolds. And that is the reason why, in a Buddhist culture, the whole practice of integrity and generosity is deeply embedded in the society because there's a profound understanding that that is essential in order for practice to unfold. So the most important thing about generosity is is that each person who gives can have a direct access and direct contact with their own goodness. And as a foundation, it is essential to develop that in order for the practice to unfold in a way which is really liberating. So we have a body, and our bodies have tightness and have low energy and need to learn. We need to learn how to relax, and we need to learn how to bring energy into our bodies. Our hearts and our minds, sometimes we get angry, sometimes we feel desire, sometimes we feel sad, sometimes we feel depressed. And every one of these things that we experience are things that we need to learn how to bring into balance. And one of the gifts about the Buddhist teachings and the legacy of what was left as a result of the Buddhist teachings is that there's enormous amounts of useful and skillful ways of bringing attitudes or particular antidotes to specific mind states in order to establish balance. So the Buddhist teachings is not about developing uh, or cultivating beliefs in certain things. 
It's based on a clear understanding of what's happening, why it's happening, and figuring out the kind of remedies or the antidotes that are needed in order to bring it into balance. In the same way that a medical doctor uses different kinds of medicines or treatments to support health and well-being, a meditator brings a clarity about what's happening and a skill about how to respond to it in a way where a person can come into more sense of ease and well-being, more balance. What's really helpful to remember is is, is that we can become really professional meditators and still suffer. Because as long as we are um, attached to the idea of balance and attached to the idea of me being the one that is doing it, then we are in a boat going up a creek without a paddle because eventually we come to the recognition that it isn't in balance and that I am not the one in control. And so one has to at some point or another come to terms with the fact that as skilled as we can be at bringing balance into the conditions of our experience, there is a limit to how far we can take that. And so that's why it's really helpful, even on a beginning level, to realize that balance and skill is only one half of what meditation is about. And the other half of what meditation is about is to develop the capacity to be with things as they are, to shift one's identification with content, and to learn to rest in awareness, that which knows what is happening. So the fourth class will be about that. Okay? So we will take the preliminary steps and learning how to build balance, how to cultivate right attitudes, how to focus our attention and work with the things that are arising. And the fourth class will be about learning to relax attention and awareness itself. Because as long as we are convinced that meditation is about balance, then we are limited in our capacity for freedom and we're also limited in our understanding about what meditation is about. Now, I can say for myself, I could spend the whole of my life learning about balance, learning how to still the mind, how to allow things to settle, how to stay focused, how to develop positive qualities, how to, de- how to let them spread. And I still wouldn't be free. Because those things do not, in and of themselves, liberate. What liberates is a fundamental shift in our relationship with what we are experiencing, rather than the skills in how to work with our attention. Do you follow? Yeah? So the whole point of meditation is not to become a good meditator. 
The whole point of meditation is to begin to learn the tools and the skills so that we can feel more sense of ease and well-being and ultimately have a deep and profound sense of freedom that we are living with, which is different than just a nice feeling. Because a profound sense of freedom is a freedom that's not dependent on conditions. It's not dependent on having things go my way. It's not dependent on getting rid of things that I don't want. It's a freedom that is possible independent of all of that. I'll just tell you a story because it just comes to mind. I have a friend who's a very, very good meditation teacher and has been a very dedicated practitioner. She has her own community. And part of the reason why she got into meditation was because when she had her first son, she became deaf. And in addition to becoming deaf, she also lost her balance. So from being an exceptionally articulate, very gifted sculptor working at a university, she was catapulted into a world of isolation and not being able to communicate and not being able to walk. And she had an infant son that she had to take care of. So she had to crawl on the floor in order to take care of her baby. And after many years of this, she was miserable. And so she was just asking for help. And then the conditions came together for her to have the instruction she needed and to learn about meditation. Many, many years later, as she was uh, very um, developed in her meditation practice, she was in a terrible accident. And she was at risk of losing her sight. So not only was she completely deaf, but she was at risk of also losing her sight. And I was with her during this process. And I can't think of anything that would be more terrifying than that. And yet, because of her practice, she was able to be what was arising with her without pushing it away or attaching onto it. And she navigated what for most people would be absolutely terrifying with an enormous amount of skill and grace and humility and honesty about just what was happening. And yet without making anything extra out of it. So when you see the kind of ways in which meditation can support, you know, when we actually have to deal with the difficult things of our lives in that kind of a way, and gives us the kind of grace to navigate stuff with that kind of capacity, you know, I find it very inspiring. Um, Are there any questions from what I've just said? No? Okay.